Hey, this is Rodney Gage. I'm the pastor of Rethink Life Church in Orlando, Florida, and this is our podcast. Thank you so much for checking it out today. I hope it encourages and inspires you to live with a new perspective, make better choices, and have a greater impact with your life. Here's today's message. Hi, everyone. Thank you so much for joining us today here at Rethink Life Church. As always, it's an honor to have you join with us. And I'm surrounded by some of our team, our staff, and some of our dream team. And I would love for them to welcome you. So team, give them a round of applause and welcome them to our Rethink Life experience. And speaking of that, we have been in a series for a number of weeks now. We're actually calling it the Rethink Life Experience. And this is week number five. And um, whether this is your first time joining with us or maybe you've been a part of all of these uh, sessions that we've been um, sending your way, I just want to say you are at the right place. This is the right week because there is a message that I believe that God wants to use to speak to your heart. And I just also want to say this. Now would be a perfect opportunity to click on that share button. Maybe you have a friend, a coworker, maybe a family member, a son or daughter that needs to hear this message. And trust me, today we're talking about one of life's most important topics. We're going to be discussing the issue of rethinking choices. Now that's when you need to click the share button, okay? Because we all need to rethink some of the decisions or choices that we are forced to make in our everyday lives. I, I just want to begin by asking all of us a question. It's a question I'm sure that we can all relate to, especially if you went to school, and that is this. Uh, do you remember the multiple choice test, you know, that, that you know, we have to, you know, you had to take? And uh, I don't know about you, but for me, on a personal level, anytime I had to prepare to take a multiple choice test, what instantly came to my mind were number two pencils and SAT test. And I wouldn't be able to sleep the night before. My stomach would get all nauseous and nervous and I'd get all worked up. And I don't know about you, but for me, I can testify because my end result, my grades actually reflect, reflected this. I was just a horrible test taker. I did great on all my other assignments, but when it came time to taking the stinking test, I would just panic and I always came out with a bad score. So I don't know about you, but I'm sure that you know, when you think about a multiple choice test, you know, it's a series of questions followed by a series of possible answers. And we know how it all works because obviously if you, if you fill in the little bubbles, you know, correctly and you get the right answers, well, you get the best results, right? But obviously, if you fail to make the right choices, well, we know the end result and you had to reap the consequences. You know what I'm saying? You didn't maybe get into the school you're hoping to get into or whatever your end goal was. And so in life, there's really not much difference when you think about it because life is really filled with a series of multiple choice tests. In other words, there's all kinds of decisions, there's all kinds of situations and scenarios and circumstances that we're confronted with on a daily basis that are followed by a lot of many, many choices, if you will, when it comes to how we respond to those decisions and scenarios. And so with that in mind, today we're going to learn how to rethink our 
choices because when you break decisions or choices down in our lives, you really have two kinds of choices. You have what I often refer to as the macro decisions in life. Those macro decisions are those huge decisions. In fact, I had a college professor once said, he would always tell us college students, he said, you have three decisions you need to make in life. It's your master, it's your mate, and it's your mission. And uh, that was always a little intimidating when you think about it, because those are the big macro decisions. Like, okay, who am I going to serve? You know, am I going to serve God? Am I going to serve the things of this world? And then who am I going to marry? Who am I going to spend the rest of my life with? And then ultimately it's like, okay, well, what's my purpose? What's my career path? What am I going to do with my life? Those are huge macro decisions. But then you have what is referred to as the micro decisions. You see, those are the smaller, what often appears as insignificant kind of decisions and choices that we make. But the thing that we have to remember about the micro decisions is that they have a compound effect. So in other words, the more little decisions you make, they can compound to actually have big implications in our lives. So therefore, the big decisions impact the little decisions and the little decisions ultimately impact the bigger decisions in life. So when you think about it, we are all confronted with those multiple choice situations, circumstances, scenarios, decisions that we all have to make. And whether they're big or whether they're small, at the end of the day, we have to learn how to make wise choices in life. I never forget when um, my family and I took a summer vacation uh, it was several years ago to Steamboat Springs, Colorado. It was absolutely gorgeous, breathtaking during the summertime. And um, I'll never forget, we actually took the gondola all the way up to the top. And uh, they had all kinds of bike trails and hiking trails. And, and um, we had been you know, walking around for quite some time. It was getting towards the end of the day. And everybody's getting you know, a little irritable. We had a large crowd of people. And some were hungry. And they were ready to go back you know, and uh, really pretty much call it today. Well, they were all getting ready to go on the gondola and they were going to ride their way back down to the base of the mountain. And my wife, Michelle, and myself and one of our daughters, Ashlyn, decided that we were going to walk it down. And we thought, how hard could it be? We saw other people doing it. And so we're going downhill. So surely it would be easy. And so we started following the crowd. We started following other people down this little narrow path. And after we went for about, I don't know, probably what seemed like a hundred yards, we noticed that it actually became a little bit more challenging. The path got even more narrow. And we thought to ourselves, we don't have the right shoes. This is not what we need to do. And so we actually went back up to the top and we saw a sign that said service road. And this service road in our minds was going to take us back down to the base. And it was a wide, smooth gravel road. And we thought, well, that's the best way to go because we'll just follow this little winding road and it will take us down to the bottom. We'll meet the rest of the family. Well, kid you not, several hours later, probably close to 14 miles later, What ended up being what we thought was a good decision to go on a broader path that was an easier way ended up taking us to a place that we never thought we would end up. And as a result, 
what we thought was going to be the best and the easiest decision ended up costing us greatly because we were about seven miles away from the actual base where the rest of the family were. And here's what I learned. What I learned is that our decisions determine our destiny. And I believe that sometimes we fail to understand that whether it's the macro or the micro, the big or the small decisions that we make in life, at the end of the day, those decisions really do determine our destiny. And so I just want to encourage you, when you think about the power of decisions, you see, we're either going to follow the broad road that Jesus talked about. In fact, we really introduced this whole series during our first week with a passage of scripture that Jesus was talking about in the Sermon on the Mount. And in Matthew chapter 7, he was actually painting a picture between a broad road, a broad path that really represented just a, a mass of humanity of people. It was the easy way. It was the path of least resistance. It was the popular way. And there were floods of people going down this path. But there was this different way. It was a, it was a narrow road. It was a narrow path, a different way that wasn't necessarily easier. No, in fact, it was even going to be harder, more challenging. But yet Jesus said, this is the way to go. And those who find this path there are actually going to be few that find it, but here's the end result. The destiny, one leads to eternal death, separation from God. The other leads to eternal life, yeah. a place called heaven. And so Jesus said at the end of the day, we have to choose which path, what road are we going to follow? Are we going to follow the ways of the world and what popular culture says is right and true? Or are we going to counterculture? Are we going to actually follow the path that may be harder and more challenging? Maybe there's some opposition and some resistance, resistance met along the way, but the end result is going to be a life of fulfillment and meaning and purpose and eternal reward. And so with that, the choice is ours. Once again, our decisions determine our destiny. And I just want to say this, you know, we're living in a day and age, unfortunately, where we are confronted with a lot of opinions. You, you know what I'm saying? I mean, all you got to do is watch the talking heads on night, you know, nightly news and everybody's got an opinion. Everybody's got a perspective. And, you know, you got all of the so-called experts and all of the influencers. And you have all these voices and you have individuals who are who are maybe wonderful individuals, but at the same time, they're all pushing their agenda. They're, 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 they're promoting their campaign. They're promoting their ways, their philosophy. They're, they're about their cause. They're about you know, their mission. But here's the thing. We've really gotten to a place where our beliefs, our values, the attitudes or in many ways are being shaped and ultimately defined by the voices of our world and our culture. Yeah. And what we have to decide is who are we going to listen to? Because are we going to listen to the voices of this world? Are we going to listen to the politically correct voices of our culture who is basically trying to convince us what is right and what is wrong and who we should believe and who we should not believe? Well, that's some dangerous territory. And unfortunately for many, without even thinking, we have a way of being literally lured into a way of thinking which leads us down a path that is a wrong destiny. And so I just want to say this. 
In Romans chapter 12, verse 2, Paul said it best. He challenged a group of believers living in Rome at the time who were being greatly influenced by the politically correct, the propaganda, you know, the, the, the influencers and the so-called experts and the, the social elite, the powerful people of the day. Rome was the epic center of the world. It was a powerful, wealthy place. And yet Paul was emphasizing to these early believers, he said, stop, in, stop imitating the ideals and opinions of the culture around you, but be inwardly transformed by the Holy Spirit through a total reformation of how you think. This will empower you to discern God's will as you live a beautiful life, satisfying and perfect in his eyes. So what Paul was trying to help us all to understand is this. Don't buy in to the propaganda, to the belief system, to the politically correct ways of thinking and living that this popular culture and world is always trying to challenge us with. But instead, he said, we got to have a change of Heart that leads to a change of life. And where does it all begin? It begins in the mind. It's changing the way we think. Why? So we can have a new perspective. So we can see from God's perspective. So we can see with spiritual eyes that will enable us to make what? Wise choices so that we can make an even greater impact with our lives. And that's what we want to learn how to do today. So with that in mind, here's what I want to share with you. Because decision-making, you ready for this? I encourage you to write this down. Decision-making is not an event. You see, decision-making is a process followed by an event. It is the process behind the decisions that we need to learn and understand. And guess who we're going to learn from today? We're going to learn how to rethink our choices from the greatest decision maker who ever lived on this planet. His name is Jesus. And you know what's interesting is that today, as we talk about choices, I just want to go ahead and tell you up front, okay? Because I don't know what your expectations are about where I'm about to go with this message, but I'm not talking about the choice of whether I'm going to eat a McDonald's or Chick-fil-A, okay? We're not talking about should I buy a Ford or should I buy a Chevy, you know what I'm saying? We're not going to go there, okay? We're not going to talk about should I rent or should I buy, you know what I'm saying? Those, I'll leave all that up to Dave Ramsey and some of these other people, okay? But here's what we're going to do. We're going to learn today how to rethink our choices when it comes to the spiritual, when it comes to the moral, and when it comes to the relational decisions in life. Because those truly can be those macro decisions that really will determine the destiny of your life. And nobody illustrated this and nobody really exemplified this more than Jesus. In fact, Jesus he was just as much man as he was God, but he was also just as much God as he was man. He was just like you and me. And yet Hebrews teaches us that even though he was confronted with temptation and all of the dilemmas and all the situations and scenarios that we all face in life, guess what? He never sinned. And so therefore, he knew how to make wise decisions. He knew how to avoid the traps and the pitfalls that the evil one was always trying 
to seduce him with. The same way the evil one is out to steal, kill, and destroy to seduce you and me into buying into the lies of this world. So what did Jesus do? Jesus gave us a framework. And there are three things that I want to share with you today. I believe these these are the three questions that Jesus asked himself And they're the exact same three questions that we can all ask ourselves when we find ourselves standing in the fork of the road when it comes to a moral, a spiritual, or maybe a relational decision that we need to make. And the first is this. You ready for this? The question is, is it written? Is it written? You say, what do you mean, is it written? Well, what's interesting is that when Jesus entered into his public ministry, after he was baptized by John the Baptist in the Jordan River, here's what Jesus did. He actually got away. The Bible says he went and he fasted and he prayed for 40 days and 40 nights. And so here he was getting ready to prepare himself for those remaining few years. And what, is it, what was he about to do? He was getting ready to fulfill the very mission that God had placed him on this earth to fulfill, which is to ultimately go to a cross to die for the sins of humanity. And yet here he was in a place of physical exhaustion and emotional vulnerability because he had been fasting and praying. So therefore, physically, he was tired. Physically, he was hungry. But at the same time, emotionally, he was vulnerable because he had exerted so much of his energy praying to the Father and ultimately dedicating himself and consecrating himself for what God was calling and asking Jesus to do. And with that, who shows up on the scene? Satan. And what did Satan do? Satan did what Satan does best. He uses bait. He uses lies. He tried to paint a picture, a scenario that seemed enticing, in many ways really seemed harmless when it came to the multiple choice questions that he presented to Jesus. And the first was this. Satan tempted Jesus to turn rocks into bread. You remember that? And why did Satan do that? Because he was trying to appeal to the physical flesh, the physical appetite and desires that Jesus had in the humanity. He was hungry. He'd been fasting for 40 days. He had nothing to drink, nothing to eat. And yet here Satan comes along and tries to appeal to the physical desires, those physical appetites in his body. And so he says, hey, if you really are who you say you are, why don't you turn these rocks into bread? And what did Jesus say in Matthew 4, 4? Notice he said, it is written. It is written. Man does not live on bread alone, but, but, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. In essence, what Jesus was saying is this. Hey, my substance, my supply doesn't come from you or the things of this world. It comes from my father. And so as a result, listen, Jesus knew how to respond in that multiple choice situation. He gave the right answer. You know why? Because he had a standard. It was written in the word. And then there's a second situation, if you will, in that temptation that Satan presented to Jesus and Satan takes Jesus to the top of the temple. What does he do? He tempts him to throw himself down. What was he doing in that moment? He was appealing to the emotional stability and security of Jesus. That's really interesting to me 
Because now Satan, he says, well, if I can't get him in the physical aspect of, of things, luring him into that kind of trap and temptation, maybe I can appeal to the emotional vulnerability. So in essence, what he was trying to do is trying to put seeds of doubt in Jesus's mind. Well, if I throw myself down from this temple, is God really who he says he is? Can God truly save you? Can he rescue you? Will he actually protect you? Will he help you survive if God is who he says he is? And I'm sure you've asked the same type of question. God, why are all these bad things happening to me? God, how did I deserve this? God, why, why are so many things coming against us? And what does that do? It causes us to question our faith, causes us to question whether or not God can provide, God can protect, God will come through. But there's also a third temptation. And Satan challenges Jesus to bow down and to worship him in exchange for everything. But notice what Jesus said. Going back to the first thing, he said, it is written. It is written. In Matthew 4, 7, what did Jesus say to the response about throwing himself down from the temple? He said, it is also written, do not put the Lord your God to the test. And then Jesus on the third response said in Matthew 4, verse 10, he said, away from me, Satan, for it is written, worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Because in that last moment of temptation, what was Satan trying to do? He was trying to, to appeal to Jesus's pride. He was saying, look, if you'll just bow down and worship me, you can have the whole world. What was he saying? Hey, position, possessions. Hey, all of the, all of the, 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 the so-called you know, um, things that you think that, that are important as far as power is concerned, you can have all of that if you'll just bow down and worship me. You know, Satan hasn't changed. He's still trying to paint that picture before our eyes, make those false claims and promises, the fake news of the world of trying to get you to buy into the lies, to sell you on the fact that, you know, if you'll just sell out to him, if you would just follow the crowd, you know, if you'll just do what everybody else is doing, if you'll just go with how you feel, you know, if you would just do what is right in your own mind. If you just do from your perspective what you think is right, then it will be right. Just go with how you feel. Just go with what everybody else is doing. Well, unfortunately, a lot of people are buying into that. But don't forget, every decision leads to a destination. It impacts your destiny. And so we have to understand that at some point, we have to have a standard. At some point... We have to understand that not only do we have to have a standard, but listen, we have got to understand that there is an authority that we must live our lives by. And guess who's our standard? Jesus is who standard is our standard. And what is our authority? I'll tell you what our authority is. Our authority is the word of God. That's exactly what Jesus did when he said, it is written, it is written, it is written. What was he doing? I am standing on the authority of the word of God. And Jesus is that ultimate standard. Now, why is all this important? Let me tell you why it's important. Because God loves you. And there's nothing more, nothing more that matters to God than you truly to experience his good, his pleasing, and his perfect will. That's what he wants. He wants for you to experience his goodness. He wants you to experience the fullness that Jesus came to give us, the abundant life. He wants you to experience the blessings 
of making wise decisions. He wants you to reap the benefits of being in the center of his will for your life. Listen, he wants you to experience the joy that this world can't even compare or compete with because it's a joy that comes from God. You see, he wants to give you a life that you've always longed for. He wants you to experience the relationships that bring true joy and fulfillment to your life. He, he, he wants to give you a sense of purpose and meaning, knowing that your life is truly making a difference. Listen, God wants you to experience everything he placed you on this planet to fulfill. And most importantly, above all, he just wants to have a close, personal, intimate, meaningful relationship with you. And with that in mind, he's given us guardrails and he's given us guidelines not to hurt us, not to harm us, but to help us stay on the right path, to stay in his good, his pleasing and his perfect will, to walk in his ways, to follow his path that leads to eternal life. May not be easy, may not be politically correct, but trust me, it's worth it. Hey, before we go any further, I just want to invite you right where you are in this moment to simply bow your head and close your eyes and just pray with me for just a moment. You know, you may be in a situation or maybe you're at a place in your life where you're thinking to yourself, Rodney, I don't have a standard. I don't necessarily follow any kind of person of authority in my life. I've been my own standard or I've been my own voice of authority. And maybe what's missing in your life is honestly a relationship between you and God. And if that's your need today, I just want you to know that Jesus Christ, he not only loves you, but hey, he wants to forgive you and he wants you to establish a new beginning, a new relationship with him. And you can pray this prayer in your heart. You can say something like this. Just say, dear God, I confess to you that I'm a sinner and I turn from my sin. And today I believe that Jesus died on a cross and he arose again. And by faith, Jesus, I'm inviting you into my life to forgive me and to save me and to change me. From this day moving forward, I want you to be the new voice and person of authority, the new standard in my life. And from this day moving forward, I'm committing my life to you. Thank you, Jesus, for coming into my life. Now, hey, if you just prayed that prayer just then, I want you to know you just made life's greatest decision. And I want to invite you, if you would, to simply text me, just text the number there on that screen, or you can just put in the chat, I decided. I want to send you a little booklet. It's a little PDF that will help you in your new relationship with Jesus Christ. And you know what? You may be a follower of Jesus. Maybe you've already made that decision in your life. And maybe today you just need to push restart. More than anything, what you need to do is come back to God. And maybe you'd like to get a copy of that booklet as well. And so if you just uh, want to either again text me or put that little um, I decided in the chat, we'll send that directly to you as well. We want you to know that we are so excited that you are part of today's message. But here's the key. Whatever you do, don't miss next week, next Sunday, because next Sunday we're going to be talking about part two on this important topic on rethinking our choices.
Well, thanks again for listening. To hear more messages like this one, be sure to subscribe and check out our podcast channel for past episodes. And if you like what you're hearing, it would mean a great deal to us if you would consider rating it and even sharing it with your friends. You can click on the share button, take a screenshot, and share it on your social stories. And be sure to tag us at Rethink Life Church. To learn more about our church, check out RethinkLife.com. Until next time, hey, we love you and believe the best is yet to come in your life.